I just always had this fascination with managing my mind. My mind feels like it's just thing just wants to race off in all these directions and I have to kind of control it and, and um, understand it to be able to control it. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I'm excited to bring to you a beautiful man. Michael Maidens, for the last 10 years, has been helping knowledge-based online businesses productize their knowledge and create irresistible offers to help amazing people create success in their lives. Now, you're going to love this interview because he has used all his knowledge as a professional tennis player, all the things he learned as an athlete, all the stuff he's learned with mindset, the beautiful movie he created, The Abundance Code, which is available on Gaia, and all his personal knowledge and teachings are all coming through in this beautiful podcast this week. Now, the beautiful part about Michael is you're going to hear him speak in a way that has you open your heart and your mind. You will understand with the way he sees the world and the way he speaks into the world and the way he believes certain truths will really help you to open your own mind and heart. I love the way he comes from different angles. I love the way he talks about the hero's journey in this beautiful podcast. And I certainly absolutely love the way he helps us to construct an outlook on how we perceive and believe the world to be. And what I really love about all of this is how he then uses this to help all entrepreneurs or people with beautiful businesses, ideas, and offerings, how to put that out into the universe with love and care and a very high frequency. So get yourselves ready for a beautiful podcast with an extraordinary soul. You can follow beautiful Michael at michaelmaidens.com and you'll be able to see all the information in the show notes. And please If you feel like it, give this show a five-star rating. The more you do that, the more it helps us to spread the beautiful message of love, which is something I think the world is craving so much right now. And if we can heighten and elevate our frequency into this message of love and self-care and all of the things around hope and divine being, then it's podcasts like today that will help you create a ripple effect beyond belief. So please share your love, your messages, your feedback on this podcast today on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28, or you can go to my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, or indeed go to the Self Love Podcast, where you can find that on thewellnesscouch.com. I look forward to hearing your feedback. Thank you for being on the journey with me. And as I said, you are going to absolutely love this very special soul, Michael Maidens. Take care be kind. As you know, one of my greatest joys is interviewing people who I look up to as a mentor and people that really inspire me to live my greatest version of myself. And there is no greater person I'd love to invite to the show this week is the beautiful and amazing Michael Maidens. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, Gorgeous. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure and an honor. Yeah, well, you and I have known each other a long time, and there is something that I really treasure about the work that you do. But before we start talking about all the lives that you change, perhaps you could give us a little insight as to who you are, what makes you tick, and what's brought you into doing the line of work and who you are in this world today. 
Gotcha. Well, that's um, yeah, that's a it's a, always a long story. We've always got long stories, but I'll try and my best at summarising it. But um, well, first and foremost, I I really just see myself as um, a human, just like anyone else. You know, blundering through life, <laughs> doing the doing you know the best with with um, what's presented to us and the situations that we're in. And um, you know, when I was, I, I started off with a um, actually a university degree, which I, I of um, computer science, which I found quite easy at the time. But um, what fascinated me even more when I was doing that was just the human human psychology and and I find myself in all the psychology lectures even if I wasn't enrolled I'd go and do all those because I just had this I just found us and people and humans as just um, beautifully fascinating and um, I don't know I suppose I walked through this walked through this experience here on earth with this gratitude that um, we're able to you know, be here in this time and um, really just ex- experience life and, and the people around us and and have an experience that, um, you know, depending on where you go, whether it's it's your soul and we're here before and after this experience here on earth, but there's some things that we can only uniquely experience here. And um, I, I suppose I walk through the world looking at that sort of thing, you know, feeling the the wind the, the wind on our skin. You know, I'm looking at the window right now, and this it's quite windy, so that's what made me think of that. But you know, the touch, you know, touching something, touching earth, touching another person, um, you know, hugging, seeing, using your eyes and seeing the the beauty of nature or seeing the the beauty of someone else. So, I um, I really enjoy um, walking walking through life through that lens and um, bringing my bring my work to help people you know see that in themselves and how they can really get the most out of life and and live what's true and in line with what they believe is is really them not what maybe they've been um, you know either brought through the system to believe so um yeah i had a a fascinating experience with my birth where i can actually um remember it and i can actually remember leaving my body because i um Either either died or pretty much died when I was born, and so I still have that I still have that memory, and maybe that was the very the first um, realization that we are just occupying this this human body for this experience. And um, who's who's to know about the dimension of time, whether they all exist at the same time or whatever? But we know that we're all here, and and some of us can't um, really explain exactly how that happens. But um, I like to take a very inquisitive approach to life and, and people and just in, enjoy this amazing journey. I think you're incredible and you bring up so many different feelings as you speak like this because there is a belief that the unconscious mind, subconscious, whatever we want to call it, there is a part of us that knows all things and within each of us we have every answer we ever need. Not many people can remember before the age of five, let alone their birth, can you talk to me a little bit more about that then in relationship to time and the dimension of what we call time and how you've perceived it? Do you think that there's previous lives that we bring in information from? Are you of the belief in Ill that there is soul journeys? I just love your understanding around that. Yeah, I, I do believe that, honestly. And um, I believe that each of these experiences through life is um, little bridges to evolve our our soul and for our soul to become more and more wise. And I do believe that there is experiences in 
in this life lifetime while why you and I and everyone listening are here and who and the people that we're around and the that can only be experienced in this the family the location the the um, you know we're in 2022 now and um, all these different things that will really shape you if you are present and if you are um, you know true and happy to feel into yourself what, what what is it that we're learning right now is it is is it that we're we're learning a little bit more about who we truly are at a soul level, not just a physical body level, but at a soul level? And I I do believe that we take those lessons uh, beyond this you know experience inside of this body. I do believe that um, that's fascinating to to look at the stars and and wonder <laughs> wonder what, what what magnificent part of this um, this this structure that we belong. I I like to I do look at things in fractals, and I like to believe that you know we 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 are cells within a system and you know just like the cells in an organ and function together to make an organ and you can keep on going lower and lower and lower down into that and um i then start to look up even higher where are we where cells we as humans are each individual cells in a human system and you know then we occupy this this earth and it's it's a it's a cell within a greater system and then as you zoom out and we see some of the amazing uh, photographs of of um, galaxies and and realizing that we're they're just they're just we're just cells within these cells within these cells in both directions to the to the large and and to the um, the invisible to our eye and, and microscopic so yeah I I do believe that I and and then when I, I find for myself when I take that um, whatever pops up in our life whatever pops up in our world whatever we're dealing with today if we take that approach of Wow, this is actually, you know, it could be so massive and hard and, and difficult, but so fascinating about what we're about to learn when we come through the other side of this. Like what what is the how am I feeling through this? How am I changing? How is this changing me? And um, how will I be it'll be fascinating for me to know how I'll be a better person on the other side of this. And that's what I mean by it can be a, a short term. You know, it could, it could be a trauma. It could be a loss of a family member. It could be a, a friendship that was confusing that broke up. It could be a um, a business opportunity that either worked or didn't work, or you thought it worked and and you 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 um, did something that was um, maybe not being yourself, and then you realize that it didn't work out. So, I think it's all those things. I think grow us as a um, as a soul, and I think our journey here is a is a part of a part of a bigger more amazing absolutely phenomenal um like you might say answers to everything that they all ex- exist there but i do feel like that we are growing and growing and growing every single minute of the day what's your thoughts then around um us humans and when we're in those moments of trauma or loss or challenge or fractionation or whatever it is that's going on in our world how do we, when our emotions are so high and so volatile or maybe so fractured in so many ways, how on earth do we stay in that place of how is this changing me? What am I going to learn? What will I feel on the other side? When all we want to do is run away and hide from that motion, that pain, that anguish at the time, how the heck do we ever get ourselves into that mindset of imagining the growth from this when we are feeling anything but growth? Yeah. Um- Okay, so first of all, yeah, we have to acknowledge that 
what people feel is always true and real. Yeah. So if people are feeling, um, you know, grief and, um, you know, depression, anxiety, uh, also joy, happiness, love, um, all these things are true. So I always give people permission that if, you know, they move their thinking head out of the way and really feel into their heart, that is the truth. What you're feeling right there is the truth. Our, um, our mind might try and wrap some logic around it, but sometimes the, the logic doesn't make any sense in, in today's understanding. And that could be your personal understanding. It could be the society's understanding, whatever. But what you feel is, is, is what I believe is actually the truth. And the more we act on that feeling, um, the more um, correct and obviously true to ourselves we are. Now, then once we acknowledge that, I feel like, and I see this happening, you know, obviously when I help a lot of uh, people, I, I help a lot of people put their magic out into the world in the form of um, information product, productizing their, their knowledge and, and a lot of big resistances come up. And usually a lot of the resistances are when you, you get into a state of fear and anxiety and the lens turns away from your mission and it actually goes on to yourself like you actually look at yourself and when you start to think from a place of i i i it actually um becomes quite it, it it's this spiral of anxiety and and um fear and you know, it, it's very small. The world becomes very, very small when you just are thinking about yourself and your problem. Now, there's situations where your problem and your situation are, you know, are the only thing you can think about for a point in time. But what I try and do is then try and invite the context of how how am I and this situation in in amongst a community of other people and situations and and life and and the earth and the timeline and and really try and make my world or other people's worlds larger in thinking so it not being just about me which is where sometimes a lot of self doubt and you know spiraling de- depression is you internalize too much and the first thing i try and tell people to to do and advise people to do is just First of all, get outside and look at the stars. You know, go and go and just stare at a tree and really, really just look at and try and work out how that thing is not even falling over. How's that thing even growing? How is it? How is it forming? You know, you know, wood and the strength from the dirt in which it's sitting. Like, sit there in fascination. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, you you take the take the emphasis away from ourselves. And try and just become fascinated with with the world around that insect, and just go, wow! Like seriously, you know, how is it doing what it's doing? Where does it get its energy from? How does it? How like it's it's unbelievable! Like really, all these things that we pass by all day, every day, are just absolutely fascinating. And incredible um, when you were just saying that. Sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to go on to that thing. So you're saying if I'm in the state, if I'm feeling that self-doubt creeping in, if I'm not feeling good enough about something, or maybe I've had conflict with someone, one of the best things I could do to get myself out of that state is to get out into something bigger than me, which is nature. Look beyond and just take the emphasis off making this such a small issue. Because even as I'm hearing that, I feel better thinking that, and it's mm. going to take the emphasis off that. So why do we do it? 
Why do humans? And then what do we actually love doing this to ourselves where we keep internalizing and making it bigger than what it is and creating a whole story and drama around it? Is that natural for humans to do that then? Yeah, I, I do feel like that sometimes a little bit of uncomfortableness is um, what helps us as humans make progress. And I feel like our world is so um, so uh, cushy in a way that sometimes we have to manufacture uncomfortableness. And, um, you know, and um, just even as you were, you were reflecting that back to me, Kim, you know, an example is, you know, what, what maybe, you know, people who might be retired or something like that, what they see as a big deal, you know, and they can hang on to that conversation and, and you know, something tiny is, is, is not that big a deal. And um, in, in the context of actually other people who are actually going, say, building big businesses or maybe they're um, trying to achieve some, some other you know, physical feat or something like that, you know, it's like, yeah, I can't really stay there for too long. And um, I know a lot, of this, a lot of this came from I learned a lot. I was a um, tennis player. I played since I could actually start walking. Um, my father was a qualified coach. My grandfather was a full-time coach for about 50 years. So I spent my whole childhood um, playing a lot of tennis, playing tournaments. I um, was training full-time while also doing university full-time. I traveled around Europe playing um, tennis all through Europe as well. And um, so I did a lot of personal growth on the tennis court because playing singles, which is, was, you know, it, there's nowhere to hide. It's just you. You know, the result is just you. And it's quite a lonely place being out on a tennis court for, um, you know, what could be an hour, it could be two and a half hours, it could be three or four hours, depending on how the match is going. And um, one of the things I absolutely loved doing also was playing doubles. Now, what I found is that I would actually, I, I and people would tell me that I was a an amazing doubles player because of how I showed up as a partner in doubles. Now, what I would do is, you know, it's it's amazing in tennis because um, if you make a mistake or maybe there was an opportunity that you didn't take, you know, it's not necessarily a mistake. It was just a, an opportunity that you didn't take. But um, yeah, and you can be disappointed. You can be super super angry and. Um, now, I used to be that person, and <laughs> Kim, you didn't know me back then, but um, I was the I would be smashing rackets, I would be, um, you know, I would put so much, um, so much energy into wanting to win that point that I was just the, so disappointed if I if I made a stupid mistake. But what I found was the longer that I held on to that anger, like it already cost me a point, you know, it, it cost me the mistake, you know, the mistake I made cost me a point. And then what I realized is the longer that I hang on to that, that mistake or the anger connected to that mistake, the more points it would cost me. So it would cost me then, you know, the next point, and that might cost me the game. And then, you know, that game is now disappointing that I lost that game and it might cost me the next game. But then the momentum of the match can swing back the other way. Um, and, and so now all of a sudden, the longer that I hang on to the the anger and the frustration of, of a mistake or a situation, the more it's costing me. It's already cost me one point. So the quicker I can flush that energy and change my state, the less expensive that mistake comes. Now, I got to the point where I would be inside myself, be, you know, nine out of 10, you know, anger 
with, and I would just turn around and in one breath, I was able to be back down at like one, one and a half out of 10, just in one breath out. And uh, the opponent would not, not even know that I was phased at all. And then I would rebuild myself back up because you need to have a certain amount of um, arousal and anxiety to actually perform. So you then I'd work my way back up before I started the point. But the biggest thing about really acknowledging that this anger, this situation, whatever, you, the longer that you stay in it, the more it actually costs you. And um, so I, I try and do that all the time. So what I do on the tennis court is, you know, my opponent would, you know, oh, sorry, my partner would make a mistake um, and I'd, I'd walk straight up and say, all right, cool, what are we doing at this point? Are you going to be serving out wide? Okay, cool, let's go out wide. I'll look for the cross court. I'll, I'll look for the cross and then get the volley and um, I'll keep going. And then you, you duck behind me because he does that every – like straight on to what is – what we're focusing, we're looking out the front window. We're not looking at the back window. We're looking at the front window of the car, not through the rear vision mirror. That's, where are we going to? So don't be, don't be scared of where we've been. Don't be scared of where we're not going, but um, where are we going to go? You're really about being in the moment, aren't you? And you have to be so present when you're playing sport at a top level. I always look at sport as an incredible metaphor for life. The wins, the challenges, the new goals, the highs, the lows, the trophies, the non-trophies, all of those things. Sport is an incredible metaphor. And I think what I've just taken from you there and then is that to perform, we do need a level of, as you said, arousal and anxiety. And in order for us to, you know, sometimes stress can be a good thing to help Help us perform and I guess the thing as a human is the thing of balance so how did you did you learn it on the court or did you learn it in life did you learn it as a dad or a husband how did you find that balance what's the fine line between arousal and anxiety and then depression and not allowing things to win or losing that point or allowing things to cost you what's where's the balance in all of this yeah. Okay. So that's there's a really int- there's two philosophies, and this was in um, I did I back when I was thirteen, fourteen is when I first started talking with sports psychologists, and it was so interesting because even then I was finishing his sentences and the things that he was trying to tell me, I was able to give him examples of when I'm already doing that on the court. So I just always had this fascination with managing my mind. My mind feels like it's just thing just wants to race off in all these directions and I have to kind of control it and and, um, understand it to be able to control it. Now, there's actually two different, the arousal anxiety performance curve, there's actually a curve there. And um, it acknowledges that if you're just sort of moping around, you're not really going to perform. There's not much stress. There's not much arousal. There's not much anxiety. You're just sort of moping around. Your performance matches that. Uh, and then as you build yourself up, which is, you know, you've, you've obviously seen um, situations where people use music to, to um, get themselves into a more aroused state. There might be some you know, motivations and goals and things like that. And you'll actually end up at a place where there is, you know, a peak performance. Now, the, the theory is also if the arousal, the anxiety and the stress gets too much, so you, you become over aroused, you become um, over anxious or overstressed, your performance actually starts to plummet. So 
there's a on the spectrum of you know being having not much arousal and having way too much arousal there's there's a really bad there's bad performances on both ends so it's about finding that place of you know seven eight out of ten for for me where my performance is sort of at the at the best and i know that if i'm feeling overstressed or over anxious then i need to um pull back and let go of some of that so then i can be back into that that uh, more optimal performance state and you know different people talk about it as you know flow and things like that and you've probably seen a little grid where it shows that um, you need an, an an element of challenge to be engaged in your task otherwise you become um, bored and if so if the task if the task at if the task that you need to do is um is not stimulating enough you'll end up you'll end up being bored and, and not actually do it if it's too much you'll you'll be you'll be stressed out and not do it very well so there's a, a nice match between what your skills are and what the um, current challenge is now i also talk a lot about fear you know fear is fear i believe is the gap between what you believe you can do and what you believe needs to be done and your interpretation. And so what happens in, with fear, and this bubbles up all the time, especially when people have got um, you know, products that they're putting out there online or they're think, considering opening a business and things like that, that what people will do is they'll underestimate their skills and they'll overestimate which what needs to be done. Therefore, you've created this massive big skill, this fear gap, which actually doesn't exist. You are actually more capable than what you are giving yourself credit for. And the big scary thing that you need to do is actually not that big and scary. And, and so then if you actually acknowledge those two things, you bring them together and there's a healthy amount of um, attention fear, which is what I like to call the, the healthy amount that actually it's got your attention. You know, there needs to be that little bit that actually grabs your attention, you know, it's a filter that blocks out the, the not, not important right now things and um, brings you into focus so then you can perform. I love it. I love it. And I always, always believe in my own self. I had someone ask me once, how did I, you know, what was the motivation to write this amazing piece that I'd written in my book? And I went, actually, it was a deadline. Um, you know, it was like, it was the pressure of the deadline that made me pull it out of myself. And sometimes there's that fine line between too much pressure and not enough. I totally understand it, but I just truly love this analogy because you can put this whole thing you've just said into life, into a relationship, into anything, business that we're taking on. So talk to me a little bit then about how you feel from a perspective of sport and then what you help people do as far as launching their their ideas, their skills, their products into the planet, onto the planet and into the world. How does that play a part with fear, which holds so many of us back that we're not good enough or that we won't make it or how can we possibly launch another book when there's millions of them out on the planet? How do you, how, what are your tips or advice into getting us to get over that fear and do it anyway? Yeah, cool. Right, there's there's two, two parts to this. So I hope I remember both of them. And <laughs> the first one is that, um, you there's, there's only one of you so um that is unique no matter how many people have written a book no matter how many people have uh, maybe saying the same information and this is this is what I, I talk about so much when um, helping people create that irresistible offer there is actually only one 
there is only one you. There's only one of you that's got your stories. There's only one of you who looks as you do, speaks the way that you do. And um, if we think in an abundant way, that there is enough people who will resonate with you that they want to hear, they want to hear it from you because of because of who you are, not not because of necessarily the, the information that you're um, that you're you're communicating or the information that they're getting, but it's because it's coming from you. Now, this is you know, obviously that you know, ties straight into the the title of the podcast, and that requires you to actually you know love yourself to a to a um a degree that you are interested in in putting yourself out there which is what some of the massive big resistances are when people are especially information based product where people are you know sharing their story they're sharing the things they, they're communicating with an audience that has got a problem that they had in the past maybe and that they have information that they wish they knew several years beforehand that could have got them uh, further down the track so much quicker than all the um, the trials and tribulations you went went through. So, um, yeah, there is a huge amount of, you know, loving loving your journey and, and accepting your journey and realising that, you know, I think when people, and, and you can, you can um, speak to this too, Kim, is there's no part of the, your journey, if you actually truly accept yourself, there's no part of your journey that you would not want to have in there because that would then risk that you are not who you are today. <laughs> There's obviously lots of uncomfortable things, but they they shaped who you actually are today. And when I feel people um, accept that, you know, no matter how traumatic those are, you can re- you can change that that um, that trauma. And think, just how can I? How can I help others who are either going through this or prevent going through this, and um, rechannel that same energy into an amazing place where you can be of service? And that's what I mean by you know how we were talking before about not just making it about you, but making it about how I can actually help the the rest of the the humans in this that are around me in this in this organ of of humans that we have and how can i actually show up and and contribute like that well you do it powerfully and i love what you teach and it's thanks to people like you that people like us get the courage to do what we think is important one thing you mentioned in there was about um, not underestimating who we are and that there's only one unique you. If, do you believe then not only are we going to help people who have made mistakes or don't want to make the same mistakes, but there's also an element of inspiration. I don't know about you, but when I hear of someone's story and how they've been knocked down, knocked out, you know, taken for a ride or they've been really hurt, one of the most inspirational parts of anyone's story is them actually how they got back up, what they did to get back on track. I may not have to live or walk through the same experience as you, but I do get inspired by the way you keep coming back and showing up. What is it that makes a human so different to the person that keeps getting knocked down, that continuously gets back up, as opposed to the person who goes, oh, well, there it is. I'm a loser. I'm down. I can't do what? What's the difference there? What's the psychology there? And how the hell do I get a piece of that? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. You just reminded me of... Um of a story that I, I told Ebony, my, my daughter, when she was only, I think in grade one, like six years old or something like that. So I'll, um, I'll share that story. But before I do, I want to say the second part to that other thing before about um, 
about when the fears pop up and you are wondering whether you should write that book or someone's written about it. The second part, I thought I'd make sure I finished that one off, was that I've worked with some absolutely amazing people, some of the best in the world at what they do, and they still doubt. They sit, still sit there and say, why am I, who am I? Why are people going to listen to me? Why, why are they going to listen to me? I'm sitting there going, wow, you know, you're one of the best in the world at this and you're still having doubts. Okay, cool. That's just a given, you know, that's got nothing to do with your abilities. It's got nothing. It's just, that's just being human. <laughs> that, and I think it's actually being an empathetic um, uh, human as well. It means that you show empathy. You're not just full of ego and, hey, I'm amazing. I think that little bit of doubt of, oh, you know, really? You know, I think it shows a humbleness. It shows a, a beauty. It shows a, a, an amount of um, connection with other humans that you, you don't just think that, hey, I'm, I'm amazing and everyone should buy my stuff. So um, I just wanted to add that was, that was the second part to that before. Now to answer this question. So um, what, what I remember telling Ebony a story about, um, yeah, if you, if you were driving, it was a little visual. It was like if you were driving along to school and, um, and it was in the context of when Ebony felt like she was, you know, in the classroom and she didn't know the answer to something and basically sitting there with, you know, a, an empty piece of paper and a and pencil and not really filling it out and not really having a go. The lesson that I wanted to teach her was, you know, to basically have a go no matter what, no matter what it looks like. And I said, well, imagine if we were driving along and um, there was a, there was Two, two, old, two old people who are struggling to walk up a hill, okay? Um, one person was sort of decided they were going, going to sit down while the other, you know, in, in my visual, it's an old man. The, the other old man is, is taking steps up the hill with, with the walking stick and kind of falling over and then hopping back up and then, you know, falling over and hopping back up. Which, which one would you be more likely, just off the top of the head, which one would you be more likely to pull over and, and offer to jump into the passenger seat of the car and, and help up? It's the, it, to me, I, when I see that, I think the person who's having a go, the person who's actually falling over without really, you know, having some sort of criteria of why I choose, it just my, my gut just goes straight to that person. And um, even though they're equally sitting there with the inability to walk up the hill, it's the person who's, you know, there's something else about that person that just draws you to want to help them. And, um, and so it's sort of fascinating. So my, what I wanted to say was just, just, just start, um, you know, give, writing stuff down on, you know, trying your hardest to try to work out what the answer to the question is, you know, draw it down, you know, have a couple of wrong answers and then go and ask for some help and show, show the teacher, you know, this is what you're trying to work out. This is what I'm trying to do. Um, how's it looking? So you're showing you're showing that you are at least giving the question or the challenge ahead the respect of the effort, although you know it's it's not the full answer or correct answer or or the successful answer. And um, I do see that also in um, in business and in small business as well. When people can sit around and you know talk about what they're going to do, you get a certain amount of support. But when you're actually out there doing it, it's amazing the people that rally around. It separates the the, the talkers um, and the doers, and people just want to go and help the doers. It's like the people doing stuff seem to get more, way more support because they're in motion. You know, something in motion is is um, 
has, has got energy with it. So I believe that that's, that's what um, actually is going on there. Mm, I agree. And I think it's the more you try and one of the things I've learned, the more I try and the more mistakes I make, the more they're actually not mistakes. They're just opportunities for new learning, new growth. And I've stopped beating myself up for every mistake and realized that that is part of what makes me fine tune or make it better. And I just am so grateful for people like you teaching us that new mindset so that we don't then sit in a world of self-sabotage, which then makes us doubt ourselves more, which stops us from creating and launching and being in our place of magic. And I really want to acknowledge you for the work you do do. And there's something that you've mentioned many times, which I really love, and that is the hero's journey. It's something that you explained so well. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we all are our own best hero and we all have our own journey. I haven't met a person yet, Michael, that hasn't been through tough times or hasn't struggled or hasn't had to face demons or challenges out there. Could you explain to us a little bit about the hero's journey and then how you've applied that to your own life? Yeah, cool. Yeah, the hero's journey. So that's a, um, it's a, it's a philosophy by a guy called Joseph Campbell, and he he created this um, this journey that, in actual fact, a lot of the major um, uh, you know, films and things like that they all follow this same formula of of what's been sort of labelled the hero's journey. And in this journey, there's too much to go into the details of it um, here, but it's fascinating if you just dive in and just um, have a look at some of the the visual um, drawings that people have drawn and then start to look up even, you know, Star Wars, Harry Potter, um, Hero's Journey, you'll start to see that all these characters are basically the same characters. So, you know, you've got the hero, you've got the, the, um, the sidekick of the hero, you have the mentor, you know, the hero meets a mentor. Well, there's there's all these different things and you actually see that um, there's a temptress in there and, and and all that sort of stuff. And they they followed this. Basically, there's a second book called uh, The Hero with a Thousand Faces and it actually shows that um, all of these major um, successful stories are all written to this, this hero's journey. Now, one of the things about the hero's journey that is – is amazing there is there is a challenge and um and with that challenge comes a call to adventure now the call to adventure doesn't necessarily mean that it's hey it's all you know this is going to be fun the the adventure may be to actually look at your problem in a different way and and leave the um leave what your natural you know way of sitting and dealing with that problem actually is and that's what a lot of people are facing is this what what is this what is this decision that i have to deal with and um when i do accept the call which is one of the phases of the hero's journey you actually leave the ordinary world and you um and you enter into another world and while everyone thinks that this hero's journey is like oh cool i i, I overcame my first obstacle um then you, you 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 come across a lot of different things along the way you you come across another one then you you'll meet a mentor along the way then your mentor will help you and um, you, when you think that you've you you're doing really well then you'll actually realize all the things that you are still hanging on to from the old world are still showing up in your current world and and you'll eventually need to um let them go which is goes into this phase at the bottom of the diagram that i'm thinking of in my head and um it's actually called the the dark night of the soul now the dark night of the soul you may have heard that term before but um 
I, I created a documentary called The Abundance Code. And in there, one of the people that we interviewed, amazing, amazing guy, he said, look, just there's no such thing as the dark night of the soul. The soul is perfectly fine. <laughs> um, it's the dark night of the ego. And that was amazing because what you then realized was that this dark night of the soul, when people are at rock bottom, when people are facing something in their life where everything seems to be going wrong, usually, usually it's the ego that's trying to hold on to something. It's what the ego, the story that the ego has built around itself to actually protect itself in its earlier years is still holding on to that. And, um, and then when you actually look at that, it might be, um, you know, if you're, uh, I'll just try and think of a quick example. If you're, if you're, if you're paying, um, if you're paying rent at a rate that you know that is not sustainable, um, and you're 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 bleeding out everything that you've got, um, why are you still paying that rent? Is it is it? Do you have to do that? Cool, um, fine. If that's the case, or is it just checking in? Is it your ego that needs you to be paying that rent to be living there for these reasons, or is it the ego that's not? stopping you from is the ego then stopping you from going and getting another job or the ego stopping you from going and supplementing your income so then you can afford the rent i'm not saying it's it's about necessarily moving somewhere but how is your ego holding you in this this dark night of the soul dark night of the ego to actually um and keep you somewhat trapped and um you know that in itself we, we're all going through these heroes journeys through our life and, um, you know, I think a lot of us in the last two years have, have had to have a hero's journey of sorts or maybe many, many different um, hero's journeys. And sometimes they can all be, you know, there can be several running at the same time. They can be, you, you might be out the other end of you know slaying your final dragon, which is, which is one of the final stages of the hero's journey just when you... You know, you think it's all you think it's all done. You, there'll be one last dragon to slay, and then you can return to the ordinary world with the elixir. Is the is the final version? But um, but you could be in that in one aspect of of your life doing that, while in the other aspect, there's another challenge that's popping up and is calling you to adventure. So um, it's it's certainly fascinating. Um, but really, if we do look at it as the dark night of the soul, what I heard um, a lot of the people inside of the, the Abundance Code documentary say in their interviews, and you know, not all of them made the, the actual film, but um, it all came at this place of they had to let go of what the ego saw the situation as. And actually at that place is where you fully surrender and you actually surrender to who you truly are and want, and on the other side of that surrender and that acknowledgement of who you truly are is an abundance of happiness, of joy, of flow, of relationships, of what, what it's, it's truly you. It really is. It's truly you. It's not what you've told to be. It's not who you think you need to be. It actually is you. And on the other side of that is just absolutely um, phenomenal. And that can be that can be making decisions which don't make sense to anyone else, but it makes sense to you. And that's okay. It can be decisions that you know, don't make sense to family members, parents, whatever it may be. But um, when you when you surrender to and own you, I feel like that is that is self love. That is that is when you actually own you. Maybe for the first time in your life. So, would that be your definition then of self love? 
to surrender and own you? What else would yeah. you say about your definition of self-love? Yeah, I, I think it is. I think it's definitely the definition of self-love for me would be to fully own who you are. And sometimes that means shining the light into the shadows, into the into the dark areas where you feel like um, it's not okay to go. It's there's things about there's things about what you either think or believe or feel or something like that that um, in your in your upbringing and life experience they were they were told to be not correct and or not not true or they were frowned upon for certain reasons and when you actually shine the light into those shadows uh, like like they say you know shine the light into the cave the biggest like. The, the the big monsters live in the caves in the darkest caves but you know they're obviously they're also protecting the gold you know that's where the all the treasures live in the in the darkest deepest caves and so um what a lot of the time when you actually shine that light into those shadows and you know, there's sometimes seeing yourself for the your full self for the first time and um really the the permission the permission to truly be you it's not as it's it doesn't turn out to be as scary as as what you have always thought because it's just it's just you and that's what i believe that we're here to discover who we are and our full self and owning all those aspects and i with you know i think with maturity we actually get to the point where you know once we are our um once we are comfortable with ourselves and once we are being our true selves, then we attract all these amazing people who, who can actually see you for who you are and really be, be you and, and hang around these other people and give them permission to be themselves as well. Okay, so you're telling us that in order to go through our hero's journey, we will come across dragons and mentors and we do find there's this beautiful patterning and I found it myself in my own life. And, in fact, we do have to go into the darkest of dark caves to truly find ourselves and it's okay and to give ourselves permission to sometimes maybe not be our best is also okay. But we also come out with these elixirs, these treasures, and we would not be who we are today without all of the selves, of the aspects of self. So I'm asking you this then. If we really did accept ourselves for who we are and we really do embrace all the parts of us, why is it then or is there a reason why some people still will just not like us or we will not like other people. And is that okay? Is that part of human? We will not necessarily like anyone and everyone we meet. Totally. Um, now, I, I answer that. I, I, I see that as a frequency thing. So when, when you're operating at a true, full self-love frequency, it's, it's almost as if you're floating and the material, the material world, the material um, is it becomes less, less significant. It becomes less. Um, you put less emphasis on its approval because you're actually operating at a a different frequency. And I believe that is a frequency of love. And it's okay that other people don't like that or you or whatever and i then just i I suppose i give people the permission that one day they will 
you know, they, they will also, you know, come around and totally understand um, whatever it is that I might be, might be saying or the place that I'm operating on or, you know, just, just understand each other when you're actually operating from that, that frequency of, you know, love leading. I agree with you. But in this day and age, and you and I are both seeing it more and more and more, uh, we can respect people's opinions or choices, yet there seems to be a frequency or an energy where even families are being torn apart at the moment over decisions, particularly through this pandemic. What do you think is happening here right now? Uh, yeah, I, I think that some, and, and I don't, and I want to make sure that there's no, um, there's no hierarchy. When I say higher frequency, I, I feel like it's it's representing a. Um, I think I think it is a vibrational frequency. I'm not. There's no judgment about anyone being in any um, hierarchy of of higher or lower and things like that. But I feel like it's um, there is. There's. I, I feel like the people who are doing things from you know, letting love lead, you know, I, I like, I think I wrote an article once about what would love do. And, and if, if you are operating at that frequency where, you know, the majority of people that you've, that you were once very close with are, um, are not, you know, matching your frequency, then I, I just, I just feel like I hold, I, I hold space for, for them to, you know, on a, on a different timeline in the future, understand. And I don't need to force them to my timeline. I don't need to force people to understand today just because I understand today. You know, it's there's a little bit of a, um, if, if, if we're running somewhere, if we're jogging along or something like that and someone can jog a little bit faster than the other or something like that, it's, I'm not going to get angry that, um, that, People haven't quite got to where I've got to, but I'm happy and holding a seat for them when they get there. And that's what I, um, I, I, I do believe. And, and I don't, I try not to enter into the, um, the, the anger of the anger and the frustration. I acknowledge that there is a lot of anger and frustration and um, really, really low vibrational um, you know, topics and discussions and things like that going on right now. And um, I don't think they really, they're, they're a little bit about the conversation that we were talking about before where um, is it something that we just can focus on and be angry about? <laughs> it's like, well, um, our, any, any discussion and, and any, any topics or points of view and things like that will, will be proven one way or the other to be, um, you know, correct with with time, with the time ingredient, and um, I think there's there's graciousness in believing that I'm happy to be, I'm happy to be true, and I'm also happy to be wrong too, you know. But um, when you own own yourself and your thoughts, and and you are a, a thoughtful person, and you're not just um, parroting other people's thoughts, you actually they are your thoughts. You consider everyone else's thoughts, and then you come up with your unique own thoughts, then um, no matter what happens in the future, you were true to yourself and thoughtful to yourself at the time. And you did, you know, you did the best, you made the best choice with, with the information that you had available to you at that time. And I feel like that in the future, no matter what any outcome to any situation was, 
is that um, you gave it everything that you could at the time with with all the available resources and time and tools and things like that that you that you had available to you. Well, that you chose to look at at that time because I yeah. think for many of us, I love what you said. I wrote it down, gr- the graciousness and happiness to be true to myself but also to be wrong. And I think totally. that's something where... Uh, I think many of us, maybe it's ego to be wrong is seen as bad, but sometimes I think being wrong is just the graciousness to see there was another side you hadn't considered. And I think that's one of the most important things that you teach is, is allowing us and giving us permission to actually look at different angles, look at different ways. And and maybe the question that you're asking yourself or that you believe is true is what if you asked, what if it wasn't true? And I love how you always guide us to see different viewpoints. Do you think then in this day and age, the pandemic, this time that we're all in at this moment, you know, I don't know about you, but I I certainly didn't see it going as long as what it is. And I've had spiritual teachers say, you know, strap yourself in, it's going to get a bit worse before it gets better. I don't know if that's true or not, but it allows me to prepare myself for the worst, but hope for the best. What are your thoughts around the moment from a human perspective? And do you think there's something greater at play at present that goes beyond what what we're calling this thing called COVID? Um, yeah, I, I do. I a couple of a bunch of different things you just asked about. Then um, I definitely feel like we've got a lot more growth to happen before this is over, um, or this version of it is over. I I feel like we're sitting here January twenty twenty two. I feel like it's going to be. My gut sort of says we're about halfway, maybe a bit past halfway. I. I feel like there's where, as as a as the human collective, um, I feel like you know we're we're individuals. Like I said before, we're individual cells, and and um, you know you know some cells become you know cancerous, and and they can overtake and and kill good cells as well. And then there's other cells that can take in you know nutrition and and go and um, do some mopping up and some tidying up and all that sort of stuff as well. So the same way that those different things happen, but I do feel like that there, I do feel like there's a you know there's so many different overused words at the moment that I'm trying not to use those words, but I, I feel like us as humans we're being really forced to look at and and not turn a blind eye to a lot of things that um, have been happening in the last two years, but also have been happening for, for a long time and none of us were aware of it. And I feel like that we can't not see, um, you know, we can't not see a lot of things, you know, there's the ability for, for people to say, okay, you have to stay in your house from midnight tonight. It's like us as Australians, um, we haven't, we haven't experienced that before. And and to see that it's actually being done not just once but um, many many times over is is um, seeing things for the first time and I think it's fascinating to to then start to see different things where you have people um, live on the ground you know showing you know our ability to communicate through vi- visuals and pictures and photos and and then compare that to um, maybe where we where a lot of people and especially um, you know my parents generation and older they go for their information um, sort of showing a a, um, a different version of that so I think for for the first time is 
we're able to you know see things for what they they actually are and there's there's a lot of things going on um i don't think that we're quite through it yet um but i do have a little bit of a whenever i feel uh, frustrated and yeah i've i've been to america for example um uh, i think about 30 times in about three or four times a year every year for the last 10 years uh, except for the last two years obviously and um but i i have now just taken the approach that um you know if we if we were in a time that you know parents or grandparents had to go through where they were at war or something like that there would be certain you know parts of our daily life that we couldn't do and i i'm accepting of of those things that they won't go on forever um i'm also not in a big hurry to get them back into my life and because i even given the opportunity to travel right now if i could um i don't really think that i uh, would want to at the moment i just feel like that the the world is um it's a it's it's very much in flux at the moment so it's an interesting place and for me personally i just um yeah i i'm happy just to you know keep things a little bit simpler than what they have been in in previous years which um unfortunately means missing out on my my weekly trip to a kite surfing island in fiji but that oh sorry my a yearly trip for a week to the kite surfing island in fiji and um catching up with friends from all around the world but um that's okay that's okay i don't i don't mind i'm very present i'm very um have the have people around me and and um yeah there's a there's a lot of different ways of approaching approaching the situation and um totally like what you was what you picked up on me saying before kim was um who who knows if we're 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 who who's right who knows who's right <laughs> and um totally open to to change my mind i always have been for you know 20 30 years i've always i've led with i'm happy to think the exact opposite of what i think you know one minute later if that's what i truly you know if i'm given information i'm i'm open to change my mind you know and, and about face whatever it whatever it was this is before the pandemic um because i just feel like we go through life if we can go through life in an inquiry based approach then we really just think and we explore thought and we explore the situations and our interpretation or or our, um or how we how we see any situation is therefore um a little bit in flux and it's it's the beauty of the discovery of 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 what is that situation trying to tell us and how am i seeing it and interpreting it that um i i think is life i think that's just that's just what it is one of the things i took from your abundance movie was all about the state of being rather than the state of having and if this covid pandemic or this time has taught us anything it's certainly been about being present being really connected being in a state that still allows love even through fear but also it has made us well i think generally speaking has made life feel more simple on many ways but you're right it's not like we're in the middle of a world war as in well maybe it's it's different ways of looking at it i guess but how have you from a health perspective what do you think is one of the most important things through this time that we could be doing to protect ourselves no matter what's happening how are you protecting you and your beautiful wife and family yeah so I see any um I I see oh, this is this is this is life in terms of um, I apply this to as many things as I can and 
you know, when, when we're taking action, there's two different places, there's two different modes of operation. You can either be running away from something or you can be running towards something. And while they might seem quite simple and maybe even the same thing, they are significantly different. Now, an example of running away from something, if you, if you, had a, if you thought there was a, a monster you know, chasing you, you know, you're running away from a monster. And as you're running away, you're looking over your shoulder, you're looking over your shoulder and you're just sort of running away. You know, you kind of don't really have a direction except for it being away from something that you are fearing. And um, you know, I don't think you're running very well when you're, when you're looking over your shoulder the whole time or, you know, every you know, 10 steps or something. Um, but it's, it's, you're running away and, and maybe you'll get out in front, you can't hear the monster anymore, and then you'll take a you know, breath and you'll actually, oh, here comes the rumble again, you know, and then I'll start running again. And so that's an example of running away. And, and some people, it's not a monster. It could be um, you know, running away from um, a zero-dollar bank account, let's say, you know, running away from the fear of, being, you know, of, of not having any money, the fear of being broke. It's, 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 you can be running away from that. Now, when people run away from something, there's, um, you know, they, they act in a certain way. Whereas what I like to do is I like to run towards something. And in, the, in choosing what you're running towards, the thing that you are fearing becomes obsolete. Okay. And one of, the, one of the things that, you know, we can talk about instead of running away from, you know, just running away from the monster, I'm going to um, start running really efficiently in a direction that I know that the, that the, that the monster can't keep up or can't climb a hill. Um, or if I'm running away from having um, $0 in my bank, well, I'm actually going to run towards creating a business and um, a network of people. And, um, and I don't need network just in, you know, the shallow, ugly networking <laughs> words that people use networking for, but actually true deep friendships where you hang out at each other's place on Christmas day as well. Those types of, um, you know, real friendship based people that um, I know that will help me achieve that goal as well. So you see how you're running towards it and the other one becomes obsolete. I so- love it. I love actually this approach because our motivation towards something will be, well, will it tends to stay a lot, stronger than when we're running away from it so if we're running away from let's say you know not wanting to be overweight and everything we do is because we're afraid of getting overweight as opposed to running towards feeling fit and healthy and lean and strong that is a very different mindset and different approach to it so with the way that you how are you teaching your girls all your family this what are you doing with your beautiful children and helping them to because that's something I've got older children going through this pandemic and they're adults and can make their own decisions. They're young adults. And it's been challenging even in itself, wanting them knowing that they can make decisions for themselves. How are you doing this with this mindset of running towards something with your beautiful babes? Yeah. So it, it is the context of um, the dimension of time then. So um, rather than running away from sickness, which is the is is what I was what I see a lot of people doing is running away towards running away from sickness, and um, instead I try and run towards health. So um, in the case of in in the case of this is just 
all right, what can I do to be more healthy? How can I move? How can I um, you know, breathe unrestricted? How can I reduce my own stress? And you know, obviously not buying into the, like watching the watching the daily news is kind of like watching a, a crazy stock market. You'd go insane if you watch the stocks go, oh, yeah, I'm rich. Oh, gee, I'm poor. I'm broke again. Oh, I'm rich again. You know, you'd go crazy. And, and um, all of your adrenals and everything else would just be wiped and um, so just choosing the frequency at which you consume the news to stay um, informed enough to, to, to be able to make um, decisions, but not so informed that you actually become way too anxious. And then um, how, do you, how do you run towards health in other ways? And, you know, there can be obviously, uh, you know, supplements and, and peace and stress and meditation and, um, you know, I, I get intravenous um, drips as well just to I'm running towards health as, as much as I can and moving, being out in the sunlight. Like, you know, I'm not worried about, um, you know, I'm, I'm more, I want vitamin D in my skin and I'm not, I'm not worried about, um, you know, any skin, skin damage, so to speak. I just, I feel like at the moment it's more healthy to have um, sun on my skin. And um, and to the same point with our mental mental health, you know, with regards to um, our kids at the moment, um, I've I've brought them home from school, so um, they're actually being homeschooled at the moment, and I I made a fairly easy decision to say that like I mean, there's it's up in the air about you know if you were to have some sort of measuring stick about. Um, are they becoming smarter? I don't even know how you measure that. But is the if they were at school, would you be progressing at X rate versus if you're at home school, would you be progressing at X rate? I don't know. I don't even. But what I do know is that my approach is their mental health and their their happiness within themselves for me is the number one priority right now because I don't I don't care if they have to catch up on a couple of years or whatever of knowledge acquisition if that if that seemed to be you know um a way of a way of measuring uh, a net result a fair few years down the track but um that's that's all fixable quite quickly whereas i feel like having having the mental health and the stress and the anxiety and, and all the things that are currently being um that we're currently being exposed to for me personally and our ability to be able to have them at home is is a choice that I've I've made. So, you know, they don't just sort of um, well in the holidays they're sort of sleeping in a bit too much. But you know, I just give them three different projects a week. One's a an exercise based project, one's an art based project, and the other one is a knowledge acquisition informational based project. So, um, and and they and they go and do that and. What I I suppose to answer one part of your question in in how to help people make decisions at this time, I've I feel like it's a little bit back to that you know a little bit what I touched on with the, the wartime thinking, but don't don't be in such a hurry to have something short term that you're potentially going driving down a one way street a little bit too fast you know that's what um that's what i'm always sort of cautious of you know how do you how do you drive down one you, you take your time when you're choosing to go down a one way street and um a lot of a lot of people have got a lot of different um, reasons to make any decision 
And um, I just think that if we can think in the context of more than just the short-term short-term pain and look about where you want to be in several years' time, that uh, make sure the decision still aligns with, with that as well. Oh, I just think that's such a powerful message and so profound. And if we even link it back to the hero's journey at the moment, the things that I find myself looking for is mentors, listening to more. How do I slay this dragon and help keep myself to come out the other side with my heart, mind, body, and soul and mind intact? I think the saddest thing that I've witnessed lately, and I so wish people would really embody what you're saying for all the greater good of us, is to actually see the the, the disrupt with beliefs um, which is causing disruption in relationships, work, the way people are trying to provide for their family. They're just, there is so much fear on both sides that it seems to be driving massive wedges. Do you think then this is what's going to break us open? Like you said at the, a little while ago about sometimes we have to be really at rock bottom before we actually see the wood for the trees? Yeah, and I think, and I think this is a little bit of the um, people holding on to the past so much that they they want things to go back to how they were, and um, and I, I feel like if people if people start to really just double check with themselves, like I'm not suggesting there's any right or wrong. It's just double check your thinking. That's <laughs> all I do is just ask people to think and just double check their thinking. And um, make sure that the distress and the anxiety is is not holding on to the old and not holding on to how things were or wanting things back how they were. Unfortunately, you know, we have to grieve. It's it's not going back to how it was. It's never was going to. It never is going to. And in fact. I think there's there's a lot of benefit from it not going back to how it was, and in that um, in that process is there's a letting go, there's a surrender, and when you do, um, and it's not surrender with weakness. Like the word surrender sometimes is is seen as a form of weakness. It's like oh okay, I'm just going to roll over and and do whatever you want. You know, it's not that type of surrender, but it's actually just a it's a it's a surrender of the old story, which is a version of ego. It's the old. It, it's it's acknowledging. All right, I'm letting go of of that old version of what I believe life was, and in that, then that that somewhat vulnerability of, okay, so if not what I knew to be true, what what now? What is true? And that's a scary place for a lot of people. And, uh, and you know, fear makes people do, you know, strange things. And, um, and what, I, what I really like to do, and, I've, and I really try and encourage people, no matter what you think, just one thing that you're in control of at the moment is how you show up as a human, how you interact as a human, how you be human. And that comes with feelings it's we're talking about other other people still trying to work this out we're, we're all just working it out and and if we actually approach like how do i show up as a as a as a human first as a good human first and and then i can have my you know thoughts and opinions and things like that on top 
of which are only mine. They don't have to be yours. You also don't have to think them. But, you know, at least owning yourself, we were talking about self-love, is, is, is standing not stubbornly strong in that, but, you know, just actually believing that that is, I'm not, I'm not being stubborn. I'll, I'll change my mind. No worries. But, you know, I believe this today. And um, it's based on, you know, not just careless parroting. It's actually based on deep thought. And when we can actually sit there in that place of, of being a good human, then um, what, what can we create? Where are the other good humans hanging out? And, um, yeah, I think there's, there's an amazing number of, of um, phenomenal humans that are actually finding each other for the first time and, um, yeah, and, and going through this journey of exploring what, what will become the future version of, of the world and the future in the, of humanity or even just in your social, lo- lo- you know, your local communities and things like that. I feel like it's, it's actually, there's, we're, building, we're building new, not um, trying to clasp onto the old. Putting goosebumps as you were saying that. <laughs> and I do believe that through tough times, it's where what's that beautiful quote? Um, keep polishing the dull side until it becomes brighter. You know, we we can keep polishing ourselves and keep keep refraining from from feeling dull or sad or upset about the past. I do believe this is a huge cleansing as well. And and I'm thankful to our community because it's people like you that um, yeah, I think we're finding ourselves even more and more aligned. And I think what's so beautiful about all of this is the people that have this really open-hearted, higher frequency belief in the greater good is creating a beautiful ripple effect in itself. And I just want to thank you publicly for what you do and for all of your offerings and your teachings and your beautiful wife and all of her teachings and I just, I'd love to give you a plug right now around, you know, we've all, and I, I don't want to use the same terms either. I keep hearing it so much, but pivoted. We've all had to pivot in so many different ways. But what you offer with the offer is quite incredible. And I just love you to share with us those people that have perhaps gone into a different place of employment or entrepreneurship or created new products, or maybe now it is the time to get out there and do this. What exactly is it that you offer? Because I can honestly say to anyone listening, if they are interested, you would certainly be a beautiful place to go. So could you tell us what you do exactly and how you can help us? Yeah. Yeah. So what I I do is I help people um, create irresistible offers. And I've got an irresistible offer program that I take people through and um, if anyone's interested, there's a, there's a checklist of um, what might get you thinking in a, in a certain way on, um, on my website. But um, what, one of the biggest things I help people do in creating an irresistible offer is actually look at themselves and see their own value. And a lot of the story that we were just talking about then, the, the things that you personally have, how you see life and how you, what got you to here and who are the people that you've helped in the past and what do people ask you when you're at the, you know, the family barbecue or the friends and family barbecue or what is it that, that really you just absolutely love to do and, and starting to see that value and, and wrap that up into something that becomes, you know, a, a piece of service for other people who are also 
um, sitting there with the same you know, challenges or maybe sitting there with the same aspirations. You're not you're helping helping transform people. So, um, yeah, I do help people actually you know, come up with their, their positioning, what's unique to them, what they absolutely love. So they fall into a place where they love their offer. You know, they, they actually sit there and love it. And I feel like if you actually love your offer, which is uh, you, you love the, the people it's going to attract, you love the, the customers, you love, you're going to love delivering it, you're going to love, you know, talking about it, then you don't actually do any selling as such, which is such a big sticking point for, for people. And I totally believe it because, you know, that's so... Um, and there's a left brain is it where you think yeah, it's, it's so in your brain, not in your heart. And so I really have um, set up the, a, a program where I help people go through this journey. And, and um, by the end of it, they're just, they're in their heart. They absolutely love their offer. They love delivering it. They love the customers that it's going to help. They love the transformation it's going to provide and um, yeah, putting it out there in a way that they can um, you know, turn it into a, a um, sustainable business. And I can tell you right now, everyone thinks that these um, the, that it has to be something quite you know profound or whatever that you offer. But um, some of my private clients are teaching people how to knit, you know, and they're many, many, multiple, multiple, multiple seven figures teaching people that and dog training and all these you know, breathing and things like that. And, you know, there's because they start with how are they actually helping people and how are they making their lives, you know, these people's lives richer. And like we, we did touch on it before and I know I didn't summarize it in these words, but when you focus on um, giving people an absolutely, you know, amazing experience, you transfer your enthusiasm um, you know, in the in the world of helping people, uh, you know, get to know you and and maybe consider your product. If they have an amazing experience, even before they're a customer, and they feel like they've already taken movement towards a goal, then um, you know they they want to be a customer. Like the people, you know, becoming a customer is just a byproduct of giving um, people considering um, your world an amazing experience. So yeah, that's what I love helping people with. Well, I can tell you this, there, everything we've spoken about today, I have honestly, if I can be so vulnerable to say, there's been moments where I've wondered if what I do is worth it, if what I do makes a difference. I doubt myself. I haven't believed in who I am or what I'm delivering, but I keep showing up and I keep being here. And it's thanks to, to incredible humans like yourself. I do think I could do with your program. I often think about this because I think for many of us, we we believe, we know what we can offer is a good thing. We love serving and helping and transforming lives. And more importantly, by doing that, it keeps us in the work and keeps me accountable. But I just want to acknowledge you for it because I know that, you know, putting out the abundance code a few years ago and then all the work you've done and before then all of your own personal growth and journey is what's really made this so viable and so helpful. And I just want to thank you for all the things that you offer can you please say then the abundance code that's available on Gaia, isn't it? Is that where we can yeah. watch the abundance code? Yep. The abundance code, that film. Yep. It's available on Gaia. So we can go to Gaia, dot com, and that is definitely worth being a member on, on there. But also is it, what's the website for you with your yeah, beautiful so offer? 
Yeah, michaelmaidens.com. Yeah, I'll put it all in the show notes and I'll put the link to your course. Is there a final message that you have for the Beautiful Self Love podcast listener? And if it is, would you mind also giving us your final quote? Yeah. All right, so my... I, I did prepare this one because Kim, you asked me that what is one of my favorite quotes, and I um, it's inspired by I think I think I, I it was around the time that I read a book uh, Wayne Dyer book, and there's a spiritual solution for every problem, and I think there's a little bit of Brene Brown in there, but um, I can't actually find the quote, so I think I may have. Um, may have interpreted it a different way or at least I've got my own wording on it. So um, and what I do believe and I, you know, I believe everyone is, is doing this and the quote is, everyone is always doing the best with what they've got. So that's what I do believe. And when I walk around, when I look at people and I consider anything, any action that someone's doing, if I consider it from that place, that they're just doing the best with what they've got, then it brings a just a really you know a humility to any situation. It could be the it could even be the person who's um, you know cut you off in traffic, or someone who's being super aggressive, or someone you know, even the person who may steal from you. It's like wow, okay. So if I do believe that that's the they're doing the best with what they've got, well, they must be in a very very you know desperate desperate state or something like that so it just brings that little bit of compassion to um to how we view the world well you are someone with the most compassionate and beautiful heart i am so grateful to have you on the self-love podcast thank you for your time you've also been an incredible teacher in the self-love and wellness mentorship program people still talk about your class in there so From my heart to yours, beautiful Michael Maidens, thank you for being on the Self Love Podcast. Thank you, Kim. That was great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.